episode 53 of Digital Digital Get Down. G'day, mates. Uh, we are not in Australia. That was a nice try, though. Thanks. Um, My name is Bennett. I am a shark. <laughs> Fish or friends, not food. <laughs> that was more British. Don't trust our accents. Um, so we're back. What's we happening, girlfriend? We had a rough week. We did? I had a rough week. Oh. We had a delayed flight that meant we didn't get home until like 3 in the morning to start off our week. Mm-hmm. Um, which was not ideal. And then we had a rough, like, whatever the version of jet lag is when it's only an hour time difference difference. on Monday. Mm. And then I went a little bit too hard at company kickball and sprained my finger. Yeah, but that's... It's been a struggle. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that last part, though. That I sprained my finger or that I went too hard in company kickball? Both, I guess. Yeah. We came in second. That's good. Out of the whole city, kind of. But yeah, I'm playing hurt. That's your favorite phrase. That's true. We don't require ring fingers here, though. But it hurts, and it's all purple. Um, we stopped at what was supposed to be the restaurant of your dreams last weekend, though. Yeah, and it was not. Um, tell the people how excited you were about it. So, I was, like, medium excited. I wasn't, yeah. like, over the moon excited, but I'd seen it on, you know, vague internet website, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. remember which one. BuzzFeed or something. And it is this uh, restaurant, like cafe place, that lets you pick three free books with your purchase of your meal. Right. So I was like, that's so cool. You go there, you get some food, and you get to get free books. And lately we've been like going to a lot of used bookstores and stuff, so we've both kind of gotten over our fear of used books to yeah. some extent. That's a big deal for me. Me too. Mm. And yeah. then this place kind of brought it back for me a little bit. Um... Yeah, the food was less than stellar, and the book selection was less than stellar. Yeah. But I guess you can't be picky if you're getting free books. Yeah, but I was hoping that there would be, like, a little bit of a better selection. They kind of mm-hmm. used the excuse that they'd have, like, a, had a busy weekend and hadn't had a chance to, like, unbox things. Mm. But, like, even the books that were for sale, sale, were not very good. Like, I went downstairs to a little bookstore, and I didn't see anything that I liked. But but way for being good job for being creative with your enterprise. Yeah, we wouldn't have gone otherwise if they didn't have that cool gimmick. Sure. So I liked one of the books I got from them. I ended up at first I was finding zero books that I wanted. It was a little awkward to go into that restaurant and not come out with books. Yeah. Um. But then I ended up finding some young adult books hidden, like in the kids, like the illustrated book section. Clever. Picture book section. Yeah, they bragged about how all their books were not organized. Yeah, and to some extent that's fun to like wander the aisles because I like to do that Ugh. anyways. But cricking your neck. Why 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 do bookstores have to be set up like this? I don't know. Um but yeah I ended up finding a couple books. It just mostly ruined my to read pile because I was doing pretty good of like just having like my couple next books like in my to read pile. Grown taller than the house plant next to it. It's taller than the plants. It's a problem. There's mm. like nine, ten books in my like near future to read pile at the moment and that's not including the books in the bookshelf that we previously bought and <sighs> I haven't gotten to yet. And You've have got you looked a at problem, my, honey. Have you looked at my book digits to read list? No, I assume you've I think broken you'll the divorce database. me if, you t- if I, I don't tell you know. the number. I don't want to But know. it's bad. It's gotten a little out of control. I don't think the site supports more than a thousand, so... It's not, not quite there. Mm. 
So, uh, the other good news, though. What? Is that we've tried to kickstart ourselves out of our TV slump. Yeah. We got Drag excited. Drag ourselves out of we it. We got There's excited not much about watching Killing Eve. Yep. And then it's just nowhere to be found. Fucking nowhere United to be States. Fucking found. It was on BBC America, and then somehow they like sold out. They sold out, and it's only on AMC now, which apparently we get AMC though. Can you just see when it's on and DVR? It said no upcoming times. What the fuck? It's a big conspiracy. I don't understand with shows like this where they're kind of like word of mouth kind of shows. Like if you don't, if you want people to watch it, then make people be able to watch it. I'm not going to pay four dollars an episode for your show. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Gosh. So, but we did start watching You're the Worst. Yep. Which I liked the first two episodes. I can tell that it's going to get a little bit, or I'm afraid that it's going to get a little mm-hmm. bit um, Stale. repetitive. Yeah. Just the uh, kind of pacing of the of each episode. But it's gone for four seasons, so they must have some some twists I hope up their so. sleeve. But I like it so far. It does have the problem that I had with the detour too, though, of that everyone just looks like someone famous, but not quite. Yeah. It's like the knockoff versions of the famous British people. guy is like all the men from Love Actually combined. Yes, into one. He also sounds like the voice of the Great British Bake Off, like the narrator on it. Mary Berry. No, <laughs> she's not the narrator. She's one of the judges. Get your shit together. <sighs> we need to watch more of that, especially since I like. This is our last podcast before you become a blue ribbon, world famous Minnesota State Fair baker. Definitely not for the cookies, and def- probably not for the muffins. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. The glaze looked so ugly. But you have another chance when you do the butter sculptures. No, I'm not doing the butter sculpture. I was very confused when I went to drop off my baked goods because they were like, did you use CNH sugar? And I was so like, what? excuse me? They are like, did you use CNH sugar in your cookies? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Mm. I was like, I thought they were asking me, like, she was saying it kind of harshly. So I thought Does that they disqualify were, you? Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. And I was like, oh, no, I only use powdered sugar. And she's like, oh, okay. And then I asked my friend who I went with, because she convinced me to enter it. And um, she was like, oh, that's a specific brand of sugar. And they actually, like, sponsor a bake. Oh, uh, so you're definitely going to lose now. No, no, no. They don't sponsor that one. They have, like, a separate category that they sponsor. So with any baked goods that you enter, have this specific sugar. Like, you get double entered into that one as well. I guess. But it was not relevant to me. Okay. Anyways. Is that enough of an intro? I think so. All right, are we ready for... Good news, bad news, good news, bad news. I don't have a lot of news this week. I just sang the song for nothing. I have some. I had nothing until about three minutes ago. Okay, well my good news is not really like that much of a good news, but... um. I haven't watched Matt Belisai in a while. Oh, do... that's one of my bad news. Yeah. So, <laughs> he used to do wine about it, and now he had to like change his name because he went out on his own, and it's like... He's too good for busting. I forget what it's yeah. even called now, his, his show, but um, I liked the... Fir- uh, my good news is the first like two and a half minutes of his Harry of Potter Of his rant. Harry Potter rant, yeah. He had... He went on a good run at the beginning about... How Harry is a douchebag and mm-hmm. Dobby died. Horny. 
and well, the best lines were about his, <laughs> that Ron's so yeah. poor that his family pet is a, rat, a hand-me-down rat that murdered a bunch of people, <laughs> and that Harry went and crashed their car into a tree. Yeah, he repaid his friendship by crashing their car into a tree. Yeah, um, and by buying all the candy from the trolley, so no other kids could have any candy. Um, and then is it that got, true? Yeah, first book. Nobody else gets candy that day. The first book on the train, he bought all of the food and from then the, gave the it car. to all the kids. Gave it to him and Ron, and they ate the, all of it. Fucking <laughs> what? Yes. That asshole. Yeah, I guess oh, that's what like a rich eleven-year-old would do, who just found out he was rich. Dick. But still, um, so yeah, but then he got like really weird and angry and like mm. kind of racist a little bit or misogynist or something i don't know so the second half of his rant was kind of my bad news so if you want to watch it i would watch like the first three minutes and then when you kind of stop chuckling just turn it off because it gets weird that was your bad news uh one of mine yeah you okay, have enough you have a great good news that you're not mentioning the book that you got in the mail Oh, yeah. I was thrusted off the toilet this morning. What? Because there was a ring of our doorbell, which is a very elegant doorbell. Can I do it right now? Go for it. And you were out at you your... You didn't even know I left. Yeah, you were at your fair baked goods thing. And so I assumed you were locked out or in danger or something. So I catapulted from the throne. Here we go. Ran to the door, and it was the fucking mailman letting me know I had a small wrapped package from the UK. Yeah, and I was really excited about it. That was like a personal good news, but you're right. That should be my good news. So, did I already say on the podcast that I want to give away? Yeah, it was probably a good news a couple weeks ago. Yeah, anyway, so I want to give away, and it was a, like, slightly a surprise of what book I got. Like, the giveaway stipulations were that you... Gave them a couple books on your to read uh, on your wish list, and then they would pick one. So, like, you know, you're getting a book that you like, but it's still a little bit of a surprise. And I'm really excited the one that got. So it did, it did come from a person that lives in the UK, and there were two different covers, two different books that I really like the UK covers better than the US covers. Yeah. It's particularly this one. The other one I can kind of toss up. The other one is Cirque, the new one by Madeline Miller. It's not Circe. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm embarrassed. I don't know. Anyway. We'll edit that out. Uh, you can leave it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so the Song of Achilles author, her new one. I kind of like the UK get cover better. It's like flowerier yeah. instead of like being like a Greek gold face. Bronze gold thing. Yeah, yeah, bronzed face kind of thing. But the one that I really liked better of the UK cover was Spinning Silver, which is Naomi Novik's new one. And... Um, it's just beautiful. It's here. That's the one that she sends. It's here. It's, it's, oh it might gosh. be like the prettiest book I own. Like, it's just really lovely. It's a really, really nice hardcover. Like, I'm usually a paperback girl, kind of. Like, I like hardcovers and books that I really like. But, like, I grew up with paperbacks of series. And paperbacks are cheaper. You like to abuse and your paperbacks, yeah. They are a little bit abused. And paperbacks are easy to carry around. Because I'm always, like, bringing True. books to work and stuff. And when you have this massive hardcover, it's like, that can't even fit in my purse. Or when I used to, like, take public transport. Huge hardbacks were such a pain. But there are a few books that are just pretty hardcovers. Like, Tale for the Time Being, I was so excited when we found that for a dollar that time. That was clutch. Yeah, discard pile. Yeah. Um, see, that's the kind of book I wanted from the restaurant. That was in a discard pile. Yep. Because somebody spilled coffee on the back of it. But it's okay. Just look at the front. Um, anyway, so I got this cop- copy of... This was Spinner. your, like, first unboxing, like, in your life, though. 
What do you mean? I've opened boxes before. Not in front of the general public, though. Um. Like, people used to do that a lot for, like, new tech goodies and stuff. Well, like, and, like, kid, like kids do it on YouTube, like, like, unboxing of toys. Like, people do, like, unboxing of products and stuff. Right. Um. Yeah, it was my first unboxing. I had to do it with one hand, and I had to hide my, like, swollen, Oof. bandaged hand from the general public. this is an audio-only podcast. Yeah. It's not as bad-looking today as it was <laughs> a couple days ago. It looks better. No? Um, so, yeah. I was very excited about it, and I had a little bit of a rough week for other reasons at work and stuff, too. So, I was really happy to have this beautiful book. Of course, I'm not going to, like, get to it for a little while, because I have... A couple books from the library that I need to finish, and a couple books for this illustrious podcast that I need to finish. Yeah. So it's going to be a little while, but I'm still excited about it. Good. Yeah. You want my good news or my bad news? We're doing good news, is but you said that your bad news was related to Matt Bellasai. There was a segue there, and you missed it. Yeah, I missed it. You missed it. Um, my bad news was just like men in general. Okay. Matt was one of them. Calvin Harris was another one. Oh, yeah. That I was one never... of my bad newses, too. That's I... on Super Minnesotan. Oh, yeah. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> um, I had, like, no no knowledge of Calvin Harris at all. Until last week, I thought he was black. Oh, he's definitely not black. So, long story short, I cut us off from DVR service, so we have to go into extreme Yeah, extreme and I'm a little bit DVR upset mode. about it because... I have been saving up a lot of series of different TV shows that I was planning to watch, and now I'm just never going to get to watch them. Anyways, um, so Graham Norton is one that I just have a bunch of of saved up shows for, so we were catching up on like the oldest one. And uh, yeah, Mr. Calvin Harris was there making an appearance with the illustrious Dua Lipa. And she looked fantastic, as always. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? Schmobro standing in the background pretending mm-hmm. to play the keyboard. And you're like, mm-hmm. that's him. That's the legendary Taylor Swift boyfriend, mm-hmm. heartthrob, DJ. Mm-hmm. And he's just a little British, not even a punk. He's yeah. just a little British pansy. Yeah. That's that's basically it. So that that's what... Okay, I don't even know what to say. Um, my other male bad news is Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Um, you've heard about all of his gin stuff. He has this wildly successful line of gin now. Why would I have heard about that? Maybe my phone just knows I like gin, so it sends me all gin-related stories. But every fucking headline is like, Ryan Reynolds has the best-selling gin, and Ryan Reynolds has the, does the best PR for his awesome gin. And it's like, I think Ryan Reynolds has enough going for him that he doesn't need to be, like... Uh, a super duper salesman and businessman. Like, just take one career at a time, bro. Okay, so you're upset that he's too successful. Yeah, it's like when people sound like, are attractive and they can sing and they can act, and you're like, you can't have everything. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I feel that. Okay. Do you have any good news? Um, sort of. Yeah, sure. Um, my good news is that there's a rumor. That the Palm brand will be re-emerging at some unknown point in the future and bringing about a new smartphone model. Now, I don't know. When we started dating, did I have an active Palm Pilot? No. Would you have started dating me if I had an active Palm Pilot? 
how active were you on the I was pilot? really active in my on my Palm Pilots. Like, what did you do on them? Um, like, my well, dad had one for work to, like, write notes and meetings or something. Well, it was but... part of my social life because they had a, a feature called beaming. I would beam with different people during the school day. So other people had Palm Pilots, too? Oh, yeah. Where the fuck did you go to school? Well, we'd play with them in the library and stuff. It was like it's it was like smartphones your before smartphones. Had your own, their own Palm Pilots. Yeah, and we would play like air hockey games, and you would beam, and it would be a two-player game. It was epic. And I had different skins for mine, just like people have iPhone covers now. I had a leopard skin. Like an actual leopard? An endangered leopard? I don't think so. It was made of plastic, so... Okay. Um... So I had like old school Palm Pilots and then I had, I never had an internet enabled one, but my technique, elevated from Snake. I used to have memory cards I would plug in. I had something like the Hedgehog on Palm Pilot. Man, you were a loser. I had Tetris on Palm Pilot. The most loser. Did you have a Game Boy? Um, yeah. Did you use your, was this the same era as Game Boy or after? A little bit after. The lamest I got with the Palm Pilot was that I I was too poor to afford the internet enabled one, like back during the 1G days. Yeah. Which isn't even a thing. Um, So I when you'd get dial up on your phone, it would be like charging your thing and you'd be like, oh no. So, so I downloaded an app for one of my Palm Pilots, which was like a cached web browser. So I would plug it in at the in the morning, and it would download a couple of websites that I liked, and I would carry it around during the day and read those websites. I mean, they isn't were that frozen the same thing that you do with RSS feeds now, basically? Pretty much, yeah. So I was like on the start of a frontier. You're supposed to be impressed that I... I mean, RSS is like that. 20 years, like nobody even uses it anymore, but sure. Give you some... People still do that. that. Okay. For, you do that for articles. You like save them on your... Oh, that's different. I use Pocket. Sponsor the show. They could sponsor us. Pocket, hit us up. Um, so yeah, Palm might be releasing a smartphone. Although it's not really going to be Palm because HP bought the brand and sold it to someone else. So it's not really going to so be So they're Palm. just using the, it's uh, just the name, name recognition? Yeah. And you're going to get one and we're going to ping. Is that what you're saying? Beam. Sorry. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get into some advertisements. Wait, I didn't do my bad news. Oh, you have bad news. Yeah. Cool. I have a serious bad news and a mm. not serious bad news. Which one do you want first? Um, not serious. Um, so, you know how I've been real deep into the bookstagram lately? Just a little bit. So... Ben Wyatt. <laughs> do you want me to pay Requiem for Tuesday <laughs> again? Um, no. I haven't been that, like, bad lately with taking pictures. I just go on it a lot. Yeah. I'm going to do a shout-out for shout-out soon. I'm in, like, a group sesh. Didn't get any of those words, but <laughs> good for you, honey. So, we have, like, 350 followers now. It's impressive. So Let's monetize those bitches. I'm working on it. I need to slowly, slowly work mm. it in. So, there... Stand in the place. Okay, sorry, don't. <laughs> you know how there are book boxes? No. <laughs> Is it, like, Gift Baskets USA for books? Um, kind of. It's, like book crates or book boxes so like if there's a new book coming out like you can like pre-order it and it comes with a bunch of stuff but it's not usually like from the authors from like a third party site oh that sounds like a ripoff or they like compile it and they'll do like themed boxes like which i've never done and there was one i've really been eyeing for september because the um theme is like found families which you know is my favorite trope Mm -hmm. one of them at least so 
I'm eyeing it, but it... So you're paying it, people a premium to sort of surprise you about but stuff? But it kind of like, uh, they're, what do you call it? Um, mm, curators. Curate, thank you. They're like curating a box. So like the theme is found family, so that, like, the, the fandoms are like Lord of the Rings, Carry On, um, I forget, there's a couple other ones that I was interested in. But then also the Mortal Insurance Trilogy by fucking Cassie Clare. So mm. I, I don't want it to be about that. So that, that's basically... Mortal Insurance or Mortal Instruments? instruments. Okay. Instruments. It's a cider talking. So... That'd be a cool spinoff. <laughs> okay, train wreck. Geico. Um, so most of like the um, prototypes for these is like... That's not the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> most of the... Um, like mo for these yeah is they pick like a book that you get surprised with a book that fits whatever theme they're doing okay. and then you get like some bookish merch so like a candle and a bookmark and like a print and and like a necklace or something that all goes with this theme right um so anyways there was one of them there was a young adult this is gonna really irk you a young adult book box that was based on uh. cassian cassian from um court of mist and fury yeah, which one was he? One of the ones with the wings. That was like Reese's, um, like, best friends, like the court. Okay. Anyway, so it was called like Your Book Boyfriend, and it focused on, it was specific about Cassian, so there was like some kind of not safe for work prints and stuff of him, like half naked, oh um, like fan art of it, and some... It's it going like, to be here tomorrow? Is that the end of the no, story? No. There was like a tote bag that said like a court of smut and something. Oh my god. Um, and then... There was a soap shaped like a dick with a suction a cup on it. A fairy dick? With a suction cup on it. What do you do with that part? Dick, suction cup. So you like put it in your, in your shower? Okay. And it cleans for you. You just rub sure. up against it. Sure. So but but, this was, for, it was billed as a young adult book box. Oh my god. So there's been a lot of, um, there's been, it's been very polarizing. I actually saw it on Twitter first and then had to go to Bookstagram to look it up and see like the, and someone's unboxing story to see about it. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of controversy around whether or not it's appropriate and or whether or not it's hygienic, but that's, I guess, another story. But, um. But I mean, it only stays a penis shape for like a couple days then. If you're using it actively. If it's soap, yeah, I would yeah. hope so. Yeah. Huh. That's what you're more concerned about is like how the, the, what you're getting for your money if it lasts. Pretty much, yeah. I thought you would be concerned, but you had such issues with that book, how much sex was in those books I've when given it's for up. children. Oh, we're going to get into that with this book later on. Don't there you worry. There wasn't sex in it. Don't there you worry. There wasn't, though. Keep going. Well, fine. So anyways, that was one of my bad news is, was like, I think that's... For me, that's, like, really weird. Like, I'm fine if people want to read, like, sexy fan fiction and have, like, sexy fan art and whatever. But I think, like, if you're marketing it towards young adults, like, giving them dick soap that is encouraging them to, like, yeah. use it sexually is, like, crossing a little bit I'll of a line. I'll pick out my me. own dildos, thank you very much. Yeah. Ones that and last also, like, more than a week. Also, like, people did not, I mean, I, I guess, I'm sure there was a warning when you bought the box that it was going to be, like, you know, 17 and up or something like that. I don't know. I'm assuming there's some sort of warning. Because if you buy, like, the book boyfriend box, I guess the whole point is that, like... So it's these are aimed at lonely but... lonely people. I guess. Okay. My other 
more much more serious bad news is a local bad news and it's that that Minnesota cop shot and killed um a native american person Billy mm-hmm. Hughes um like a week ago so this one hasn't gotten shitty. much much news coverage i feel like it has not mm-hmm. um so i saw um Emma and i saw a protest when we went to target one day okay um and there was a lot of native lives matter signs mm-hmm. um but anyways, I don't really know what more to say on that topic that I haven't already said. But All right, on that note, should we do a little advertisement before we talk about our first thing? I suppose so. Let's pay the bills, as they say. So if you want to support us, slash if you want a better way to find new books to read and keep track of your to-read list and your book goals and review your... Make book reviews. Are you talking about Goodreads, Heather? Uh, I'm talking about something better than Goodreads. Oh. I'm talking about Goodreads 2.0. Oh. I'm talking about book digits. How do you spell that? B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. It's got all the stuff that you like from Goodreads and none of the shit that you don't like. And Especially gifts. Every time I look up a review on Goodreads, all uh, I'll be a little bit sexist. All the, the young little girls are reviewing their books in gift format. It's the way of the future. No. Anyways, I don't have a problem with gifts, but I do have a problem with, like, how promotion-y Goodreads is and how it is constantly asking you to, like, be friends with all the people that you know on Facebook that you haven't talked to in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, leave me alone. I just want to keep track of my books. So... Simplify, bitches. And if you feel that way, Throw too, set it. go to Book Digits. You can also see your book stats, which is really cool, and on the like a book, all the book cover, a cover collage of all the co- books that you've read. Um, and you can also follow our sweet bookstagram at Book Digits, or follow us on Twitter, also at Book Digits. Cool. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. So, are we talking about the book first? What's next on our agenda? Neither of which you like, so it's going to be a rough week for you in terms of discussion. Um, How is this so long already? We said we didn't have any newses. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. What do you want to talk about? I'll let you pick. I was going to do the book first. Let's do the book first. So this book is a book that I read a few years ago, and I really liked it, and I reread it just finished it today. A few years ago you read it. Huh? Like a year or two ago. I read yeah. it in Australia. I don't know if it's... I don't think she's Australian. She's not, no. She's from Indiana. Anyway. Um, so I read it in Australia, so I read it maybe last year or the year before, and I really enjoyed it. Um, not like the not like my favorite book of all time, but like I sincerely enjoyed it. And then I reread it for the sake of right now, and still enjoyed it a little bit less this time because I knew some of the big reveals already, which made it more interesting to read, but also um, ruined some of the surprise, obviously. But anyway, so I made Bennett here read it, and he was not impressed. Well, was it a good book? How would you describe it rather than just you enjoyed it? Because you also said the same thing about the movie we're talking about. So I want to push you a little bit tonight. So the... Did I even say what it's called? Let's mention that. It's called Made You Up by Francesca Zappia. And it is about a girl who has schizophrenia, diagnosed schizophrenia. And she is going to a new high school because of an incident that happened at her previous high school. So it's about her trying to um, find her way in this new high school um, and navigating some interpersonal relationships with some different people um, 
finding a group of friends and also kind of making some enemies and the whole thing is a very um very very unreliable narrator because she has schizophrenia so a lot of the things that are happening um she's up front with you at the beginning and says that sometimes she can't tell reality from her hallucinations so a lot of times what's going on in the book you're not actually sure if what she's seeing is there and she's not actually sure if it's there either um and then there's some twists at the end of some things that as the book goes along you kind of think you figure out what's real and what's not and then there's some twists at the end that kind of throw you off um which is why it was interesting to reread for me at least sure um i trying to find the main character's name oh it's alex right alexandra um, so I wouldn't say it's like the best crafted book of all time. Okay. I think the, the main, it's hard to tell what the main plot point is, is the main Agree plot, is the main plot point, like her relationship and navigating her mental illness and navigating her new school is the main plot point. These people at the school that don't like her and how she deals with that is There's the main the conspiracy element is the main plot point. This like mystery involving the principal and a scoreboard, uh, is yeah. So I think her own family. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's some family drama. Is that the main plot point? And not that a book can't juggle multiple plots and, you know, B plots and side plots, but in this case, it seemed to be constantly switching around. That's a good, a good thing you mentioned. I feel like it's a book of B plots. And that's why I didn't, one of the reasons I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't feel like there was a very strong um, central plot yeah. and then with secondary plots, which uh, this is this is the, the central dif difference between you and I that always comes up is that I can kind of get past there not being like a super um, strict structured plot mm -hmm. if I like the characters and I care about the journey that they're going on. And that's, so it's not a deal breaker for me right. for it to be kind of a, not super structured plot and I think it is a deal breaker for you. Uh I have yet to stumble on characters who I would who would um make that kind of magic for me. So yeah, in most cases you're right, I think. Who's been your favorite characters from books recently? Like what's characters if I say like who's your favorite book character? Like one of my questions of a bookstagram tag I had today was mm. like what what book character would you have lunch with? Like um I'm not going to have a good answer to that. If I, if I ask you top five favorite book characters, I'm going to push you a little too. Oh. If I ask you top five favorite book characters of all time, um, I could list like a hundred. No, yeah. I don't have that kind of relationship with characters. When I read a book, I think about how it's being written. Not, I don't, I don't, the characters never jump out to me. And that's why you'll never understand fandom or fan fiction. No. Because it's all about the characters. Huh. You don't have any, like, just like... Favorite character, go. Um, Lightning round. Favorite character, go. <laughs> um, so it has to be from a book that I like, probably. Not necessarily. Um, huh. Favorite character, go. <laughs> um, hmm. See, like, I would be making that hmm because I wouldn't be able to pick, but you're making right. that hmm because you can't literally can't pick one. up anyone. No, I can't. What's a book that you recently liked, but you didn't like the characters? Um, like, I'll give you the sun and illuminate and, like, the recent A's that you have for this year. What was the standout Oh, yeah, character? the artificial intelligence was my favorite <laughs> oh my God. Are you a computer? It's non-human, okay? No. Well, not really. Um, it's not proving my point. Or it is proving my point, I suppose. Let's circle back to this. <laughs> 
So that's that's what this book that's what it comes down to. I think if you like characters more than you care about a super strong plot, then I think there's a chance that you'll like this book. If uh-huh. you are very concerned about like the structure of, of mm-hmm. writing a book and like the rising and falling action and all of that, then this might not be the best book for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like any of the characters in these books that I'm flipping That's through. That's because all those books were terrible. The ones that you're looking at now. Skippy Dies, Brief Wonders, Life of Oscar Wilde. This terrible. is my best rated books, honey. That's, that's cruel. Terrible. Um, gosh. I'm questioning everything now. Um, like the con? Uh, no. Tale for the time being? Park? From Eleanor and Park? No, I hated most of the characters in Tale for the time being. Wow. Okay. I have some soul searching to do. Oh, God. Super Sad True Love Story? That book was so bad. Um, hmm. Jonathan Tropper. All the characters were a shit show in that book. Harry Potter is what we're at now. Oh, I don't like Harry either. Okay, yeah, we need to move on. That was a good 10-minute interlude. So, yeah, I would say that they're, the, the book, the weak points of the book are kind of the um, momentum of the plot, mm-hmm. or lack thereof, and it kind of feels like it's jumping around a lot from from what you're supposed to be focusing on that's important as a reader yeah um and i didn't really care for the mystery so i guess that's why i didn't care that there wasn't a super strong push for like the the mystery of the scoreboard to be like the um focused plot point because yeah, I the don't people care at home mysteries. might be a little bit confused about your mention of a scoreboard and that would be understandable because it doesn't make much sense in the plot like, starting early in the book, they introduce the character of the principal, and his only defining characteristic is that he's, he's obsessed with the new expensive scoreboard that they bought at the school. And why does this come into play? Because the main character, Alex, she joins, or is forced to join, a community service team? Yeah. Where they, they do the concessions and the cleanup for the gymnasium? Makes sense. Okay. And that becomes her, like, hangout crew. Yeah. And they find out that someone was murdered by the old scoreboard. So they're trying to untangle the truth about why this new scoreboard got put up and the principal's connection to it. I didn't care about that, though. So I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And just, like, moved on from that and focused on the characters. Okay. You're impressive, then. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I know that it was a little bit of a strange tone and some of the stuff at the school seemed a little bit odd or unbelievable. But I think that was the whole point was that the author was trying to show that like real life can be really strange sometimes too. Like, like the main character, Alex, like she, anything that's like outside of the norm, she assumes she's making it up inside of her head. Mm -hmm. And I think that the author intentionally made this school a little bit whimsical or magical or like just weird kind of skating the line of what would really happen in reality because it's supposed to show the the thin line between the delusions and what's real life and like as you go on in the book some of the stuff that she's like that's too ridiculous to be real and she convinces herself that she's making it up or that she's seeing it just only she can see it ends up being real and I think that's the whole point you're pretty good at selling this book you almost make me want to read it again (laughs) Um, it's it's not a very well-written book, in my opinion. It's first-person young adult narration is the problem. So one issue I have, which is what I was hinting at before, is that this, to me, feels like um, not your sidekick in that it is a 
middle grade kind of style, but about high school. You, your complaints about young adults are either that it's too adult yes. and sexual themes, or it's too young and it's for middle schoolers. Correct. This felt like it was aimed at middle schoolers to me, and you, they use the word fuck like every other page. Did they? Yes. Mm, maybe you I pick used up that on word that? so often that I didn't pick up on it. Um, so yeah, it just, I didn't feel like the maturity of the writing matched, like, what... The content. What the content required, yeah. Okay. And Sounds part like of me is jealous because this author got this, like, picked up by an agent and published while she was, like, in high school. Well, that's probably why the writing is like that. That's what I'm getting at, yeah. So that's fine. It's a very impressive achievement, for sure. Um... But yeah, I just wasn't really, really brought into the story, I guess. Do you generally like unreliable narrator stories? Um, you didn't love We Were Liars either, and I liked that one a lot. No, I, I like the idea of them, and then once I get towards the end, I'm like, just fucking tell me what really happened. Okay. See, that's the difference with you and me then, I guess, too, is that I, to some extent, enjoy unreliable characters, if un unreliable narrators, if they're done well. Mm-hmm. And I think that for all the things that weren't done super well in this book, the that aspect was done really well. Like, if you like an unreliable narrator story, this was very interesting. It wasn't necessarily a traditional unreliable narrator where True. they are purposely lying for you, lying to you, or obscuring the truth or something like that. Like, she honestly doesn't know what's real and what's not, and the reader just, like, piggybacks on that. So I found that interesting. I found that... I found that was compelling enough to make me want to keep reading it, even though I didn't care that much about, like, the scoreboard mystery and the plot yeah. and stuff. But I wanted to know, like, what was real and what wasn't. And I, and I liked the ending, and I liked how it ended as well. Yeah, uh, there were some cute moments, for sure. Well, no, I actually... Slight spoilers here. I actually mean, like, the end-end. Like, I think that in a lot of young adult-type books of this, when there's mental illness, it's just, like, a cute topic that they use like they're just like oh she falls in love and she's salt and everything's fixed and in this case she admitted that she needed more help and went and got it yeah now i per i uh took part in my favorite activity after i read books that i don't like which is that reading uh, reading other negative reviews yeah and there's a lot of feedback saying that this is not a good portrayal of schizophrenia in terms of how it's actually how it actually affects the brain and the way it actually affects young people. Part of the issue being is that schizophrenia does not appear in people until, like, the age of 20. So it's actually unrealistic. Okay. Um, so, yeah, people have pointed out some issues with how it's dealt with. I felt like, I don't know, the way you describe the book, it makes it seem like the schizophrenia is, like, a constant um, facet of the narrator, and I felt like it came and went, and that bothered me that... You know, there would be whole chunks of the book where it's just shenanigans with the friends and the conspiracy. Well, that's and the whole point. Mental illness isn't like you're not, you're, it's not constantly affecting you the same amount. Like, I definitely don't have schizophrenia, but yeah. like, it's not like I have the same amount of anxiety every single day. It's that's like true. it goes up and down. So I thought that was um, realistic, at least for my very limited experience with mental health issues, was that it it does come and go. It is up and down. It's not necessarily going to always affect you the same way every single day. Mm. And I think that's part of the, the trick or the um, plot twist that they reveal is that even 
when it didn't seem like her delusions or the schizophrenia was at the forefront of the narration, you find out that it was there all along, even in right. some of the happier moments because of one of the reveals that I don't want to spoil because it will kind of ruin the whole book. But it it makes you read the book differently if you know A little about bit, it. yeah. Um, which is, that part was kind of like, I read a, a, a different book where the same thing yeah. The plot when twist. I got to the twist, I was like, yeah, not surprised. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Um, I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all of, of books dealing with mental illness or anything. Simon, I, I enjoyed Simon as a character. Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda. Oh, I was like, there was no Simon in this that book. That was one book where I didn't really care, you know, the drama that was going on. I just enjoyed being with the characters. Wow. And was Eleanor Park the same? Because you said you liked Park. Yeah, maybe. Um, what I was going to get at with Simon is that that's like my prime high school novel desire. Okay. Where there's some shenanigans going on. You see some like traditional classroom stuff. Some adult themes. Some adult themes. Much. And I felt like that was written at the level that I want high school stuff to be written and at. The farthest they go is kissing. Sure. Whatever. Uh, and this one, it didn't really feel like a high school book. Like, I never got that sucked into their school that much. And I will say that I, like, the fact that she was supposed to be going into college a couple times, I kind of had to catch myself. Like, it sounded, yeah. sounded like she was, like, 15 or 16, not, like, 18. Thank you. So I did, upon rereading at least, I remember, like, a few times I was like, oh, yeah, she's supposed to be applying to colleges. Yeah. Like, it didn't quite, and then there's a graduation scene at the end that doesn't seem like it quite fits. No. Um, but maybe that's why is that the five page prologue I thought was amazing and I was like I'm going to be in store for something fantastic so I was a little let down from that the lobster scene at the beginning is oh, really cool yeah that's the best part for yeah. sure um, what was I just going to say graduation scene and then oh I was going to say that um, maybe that's why the tone is a little weird maybe it was originally intended to be more like a younger like going to high school for the first time kind of mm -hmm. story and then the author realized that schizophrenia doesn't manifest until you're like 20 so it's made the character like 18 so it's Could a little be. bit more reasonable that she would have schizophrenia i mean i know in the book it they're kind of playing it off as she's had it she's since had she was it for seven a while, yeah. or she's had it her whole life so which maybe that's not accurate but yeah yeah I, I do agree with you there i guess a little bit that i thought it felt a little bit more like an early high school novel unless mm -hmm. like a graduating going to college novel. I know that's partially because the character doesn't necessarily have a lot of hopes that she's going to be able to go to college like a normal teenager. But yeah, yeah that felt a little off. You're right. Okay. I appreciate you coming to terms with me well, on some of these things. Your comment when you, when you finished or about why I liked it was. Yeah. It reminded me of that lacrosse series you made me read. Lacrosse. Futuristic lacrosse. All for the game or the yeah. fossil court. Still love that series. And Just nobody, a little. Nobody else loves that. A series. little mishmash of like kooky characters, like misfits, kind of. And some like weird domestic drama, like family drama. Yeah, and just jumping around a lot between those different settings. And like, and... see, I I don't really agree with you. Like, I don't think the tone was like that. But I see what you mean a little bit about the, some of the characters. Like Miles, mm -hmm. the main character is, um, or the second main character is. A little bit reminiscent of, of like an Andrew or one of the people who's like misunderstood. Like everyone thinks he's scary, but really he like has a heart of gold or whatever. Right. Um, well, one interesting thing about Miles is that, did you read him as autistic? No. 
Apparently that's a strong well, fan theory. Well, the, it's mentioned in the book. It's not yeah. even a fan theory. Um, I didn't really, but I am I, not like shocked by it, I guess, because it, it does fit with some of the autistic kids I've worked with at work in terms of they don't necessarily understand social act interactions very well, but like in the one-on-one -on -one they have really cool facts and they're like really interested to tell you about the things that they care about. So that kind right. of fits with at least like the seven-year-old version of him. It kind of fits. Um, well, yeah, that, that sort of intrigued me because you do see him presented through the lens of the first-person narrator who we know is unreliable. Yeah. So when she describes him as super cool and everyone being scared of him, can't necessarily trust that. Yeah. So perhaps, you know, she just saw his manifestations of that, um, that autism differently. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I see your point a little bit about kind of like the, I don't want to say broken people because people with mental illness aren't broken, but kind of people that are struggling or people that have had a lot of challenges and like finding their way together and helping each other. So I kind of get You're that a sucker for that. Of, I am a sucker for that. Mm. Um, speaking of like found family, there's a little bit of that going on. Um, anyways, so I liked it. I would recommend it. But I know that you would disagree with that. Um, what did you give it as a grade? Like a D? D plus, maybe? Oh, it's rough for you, even. Yeah. Yeah. I won't judge other people who read it. Start with the prologue, let it suck you in, and then see if, if, it, if it keeps up for you. I gave an A minus. Yeah. And you gave it a D. Straight, straight a up straight D. Straight D. Oh, straight wow. Straight up D. Okay. This might be that might be one of our most uh, separated books in yep. terms of our grades. All right, let's move on. Oh, and just one more thing about it. Look at what the first related book is to it. All the bright places. <laughs> Another one that you didn't like. And Eleanor Park, though. Yeah. Anyways, so we are now going to segue into something else you didn't like that I did. Mary, what? What, Mary? What are we talking about? Um, sorry to bother you. Are you sure about that? No. Because <laughs> for, for weeks you were you? like, I want to see that movie. Please excuse me for excusing bothering myself. Sorry What's it called? For bothering you. Sorry to bother you. I believe that's right. Okay. But bad name. Well, if I couldn't remember it, bad name. Like, Get Out, when I first heard it, I was like, it's kind of a weird name, but like, that sticks and like, it's important to the This is story. kind of important. I think it should have been called Worry Free. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Or down with capitalism. Just be upfront mm. about it. So we went to see this on Monday. Yeah. We, Monday night, we were both very tired from our flight delay. Yeah. Tensions were high. I was ready to get lost in a good comedy. I did not think it was a comedy. You knew it wasn't a comedy. I watched one longer trailer for oh. it. Oh. That was like more of what the movie actually was. So I think I was a little bit more prepared than you. I I saw it in a in a pre-promo before an Atlanta episode. Okay. <clears throat> and I can get into that more a little bit later, but at first I thought it was a fake thing being done by yeah. Donald Glover and yeah. co. And then once I realized that it was a real movie, I was like, well, that was a real funky trailer. I don't want to know anything else about it, but I'll go see it sometime. Yeah. So, yeah, based on based on the early trailer they show where it's just Donald Glover talking like Steve Buscemi, you don't obviously you can't know what to expect, but what we got was not what I was 
expecting for sure. Okay. So the main premise of the book it's is, a movie, actually. sorry, the movie is that there's a guy who's kind of down on his luck. Cash. Cash. Mm-hmm. Cassius Clay. What's his name? That's, That's Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali yeah. <laughs> Cassius Green, I think, Cassius is the Green, play on, right. Cash Green. Play on word. Um, so he gets this new job as a telemarketer, but it's commission only. So they don't get paid at all, don't get any benefits or anything. It's only based on if they make sales. And it's at-will employment. No one's forcing him into it. You want to work on a commission-only basis? I wouldn't go apply for that job, Well, he obviously, I started off by saying he's down on his luck. Obviously, he's a little bit desperate for a job. Fair enough. And takes this job to try and make some money and pay his rent. And his girlfriend, Tessa Thompson, is involved in another movie that I watched half just for Tessa Thompson. I'm aware. Um... She's an artist. Detroit. Which makes her really cool, but probably she not, is really cool not making movie. a lot of money. Yep. So he goes to work for this place. And Regalview. It's a like sleazy telemarketer company, and they're selling like encyclopedias or something. To start with, yeah. And yeah, like the funny parts of the parts that you see in the trailer where um, Danny Glover mm-hmm. teaches Cash to use a white voice. Right. That's like basically him going... I'm sorry for bothering you, but could I please give you, like, just... Right. They do the nasally... But they're dubbed. Everyone's voices is dubbed by actual annoying white guys. Yeah. Uh, David Cross and then Patton Oswalt, who, like, I just don't think Patton Oswalt is, like, a good voice actor. Like, his who voice... Who was, was Patton Oswalt? The guy upstairs, who the, they never tell you Denzel his last name. Yeah, it's definitely not Denzel. He looked a little bit like him, his facial That's hair. That's racist. His facial hair okay. did. He only had one eye showing her, that I really tell. <laughs> Um, so yeah. So... But that's getting more into Ratatouille, which we don't have to go down that path again. What? Pan Oswalt's not a good voice actor. Oh. <laughs> I forgot this movie related to Ratatouille. This is the least movie like Ratatouille like I've ever, that I've ever seen. I don't know. Both are like cheering for the underdog. Sure. The oppressed people. Okay. I think there's a crossover potential. I think that's real racist, probably. What? You just compared black people to rats. No, it's comparing rats to black people. It's completely different. Well, I guess you're... And, like, the rat race. Thank you, honey. Anyways, um, so he joins this company. It's, like, kind of a weird conspiracy because you can become a power caller, but nobody actually, like, has been promoted. It seems like it's, like, a little bit of an urban legend. Yeah. Um, so he... Tries really hard and starts using his white voice and starts being successful. But this happens at the same time that his friends and coworkers at the company decide to unionize. Decide to unionize and start to protest the their unfair wages or lack of wages and unfair uh, conditions at work. So he has this choice of like, does he sacrifice this potential promotion to make some more money and and have something he feels like he's good at, mm-hmm. or? Does he support his friends and, like, turn his back on the company? Mm-hmm. So who does he turn his back on? Like, the company that's paying him or his friends that are supporting him? Right. So that's, like, the main moral dilemma of the story. But I feel like I should stop there before I go further with the plot. Okay. And talk about, like, the kind of strange tone of the movie. Right. So it's this kind of near-future dystopian-ish, pseudo-dystopian. Right. It's definitely based in America, and it's modeled after modern America, but it's also not. Yes, so it's it's either some sort of like alternative America or like a 50 to 100 years in the future America where there's not like flying cars, but yeah. corporations mm-hmm. have kind of 
Okay, I see what you, you're saying. You don't think so? Well, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hit you with like a lot of futuristic stuff in terms of technology. No, but so. I'm saying it, it seems like America, but an America that's gone a little bit down the wrong path. Like there's a lot of poverty and not a lot of good jobs and... Right, but at the same time, they are selling encyclopedias, which maybe is part of the joke. I think that's part of the joke. It could be part of the joke. Or it could be like an alternate universe yeah, America. Yeah, I think that's probably closer to it. I read it as more of like a future, but mm. it's fine. Either way. Um, it's America, but it's not. And this there's, is America! And there's this kind of strange tone of it's very... Um, it's almost like stream of conscience, conscious, but... Not verbally, but visually. Right, there's no, like, uh... There's no narrative voice uh, voiceover. Yeah. But visually, like, you're following him and you're kind of feeling what he's feeling. Correct. And it's like hyper-realism, would you say? You threw a lot of words at, at me after the movie. Surrealism, hyper-realism, yeah, you just go, I'm girl. I'm just trying to feel it out. I it's like an acid trip is what it is, I imagine. <laughs> a little bit. It's like this hyper-realistic version of working in an office. Like, everything's like a heightened sense of reality. Mm. Like, the like, office politics and, like, ridiculous managers and, like, that kind of stuff at the office is, like, amped up. Yeah. And, like, the struggles of living to paycheck to paycheck are kind of amped up. And even just, like, the visuals are not quite realistic. They're a little bit brighter than they need to be or a little Correct. bit more over the top. And I found that um, kind of compelling and interesting to watch, and I don't know that you did. Well, no, there's definitely a lot of innovation in uh, this director, Boots, Boots Riley, his filmmaking, um, you said. in terms of visually, it reminded me of like a two hour long music video. Yeah, like that was a style. Like one of the parts that I thought was cool was like they were trying to show uh, him kind of moving up in the world and, and mm -hmm. buying new things and kind of getting a nicer living environment for himself once he got paychecks. And they had like scenes of like um, a TV bursting in half and a new TV like coming up from the middle of it. Yeah. Like I'm not explaining it very well, but and then there were when he started doing the uh the telemarketing, they would present the scene with his desk physically landing in the uh the person's oh, yeah. house who he was yeah. calling, which was kind of unique and I was like, Well, that's really cool. Laughs. And then, you know, it happens two or three times for a few seconds and that's it. So there were a lot of really cool, unique ideas in this movie, but they're all explored for like a couple of seconds, I felt, which just added to my kind of like being all over the place with yeah, this. Yeah, scattered, you said. It yeah, scattershot was the root. This movie is like across the board, it's like at 99% on Rotten Tomatoes in terms of critical things, critical uh, reviewers. Yeah. It's at like 40% with audiences. See, it worked for me though. You never like critically acclaimed things, though. You I know, and that's why acclaimed. I was I was surprised watching it, because I was like, this is going to be weird. I don't think I'm going to like it very much. You sure you and liked I, it? Yes, I did. Okay. I've also worked at a call center. And I've worked in sales. Yeah. I think it like connected a little bit more with me. I felt like those parts were like the least inventive parts of it. Like when they harped on about you have to stick to a script, and they were acting like... That was a great injustice to the people that they had to stick to a script on their telemarketing calls. Big deal. There's no That's way to works. stick to the script. It's bullshit. Yeah. They're because the scripted the script is like, if they say this, go here. Like, how yeah. can you predict exactly what someone's going to say? The script is bullshit. All right. Let's get more into the politics and towards the, uh, the twist of this movie. The twist is what ruined it for me. I was really enjoying it up until that. The then... twist happens like two-thirds in. So there's a large chunk 
yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, this is a very, like, innovative, different movie. And mm -hmm. the other movies that I've described like that, I'm usually saying it in a negative way or saying it as, like, that's the only positive I can think of. Right. Is that it was different or, like, not... Like, I keep... I know it's not the same tonally, but, like, I, Tanya is another one that it reminded me of in terms of it was, like, different and unique. Like, I hadn't seen that type of storytelling sure. in, in a movie before, that type of direction or whatever. Yeah. I and that one didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And this one... Even though it was very strange, it did work for me. It all came together for me in a way that I found enjoyable. Watching Itania, sitting there thinking like, this is interesting, but I don't know how I'm supposed to be reacting to this. That's like, how I felt in this one. Yeah, that's how I felt in Itania. So, yeah, I don't think there's a ton of comparisons you can draw with this movie, but like Idiocracy, which I only saw one mm -hmm. time a long time ago, is like in the same vein, I guess, where it's just like... You know, if you take issues happening today and you inflame them, then you can see some parallels, I guess, which yeah. is the point. Um, also, Anchorman's, Anchorman's been on the last two days, and I felt like there's some Anchorman qualities to this movie. You just said it wasn't funny. Where, where Anchorman plays the randomness for jokes, this played the randomness for, like, poignancy or something. Okay. But... In terms of the style and just the... Hyper-realism. Now he's throwing a burrito out his window. Like, there was no reason for him to throw a burrito out of his window, but he did that. And now a huge chunk of the plot is going to carry on from that burrito. That was kind of in the same vein. And, like, that was also meant to be, like, taking certain aspects of the 70s or whatever it was supposed to be. And, like... Correct. Like inflating them or like focusing that like yeah hyper realism i don't know i don't even know what that word means that's just what keeps sure. popping into my head you just do you honey um so yeah so this feels like an atlanta-esque um creation i mean lakeith stanfield he plays the funniest character on atlanta you're aware that he's also the guy from get out which one the guy who yells get out get out He's the guy who has a transplant in him walking around at the party that oh, Chris... Oh, that's yeah. the main character? Yes. He looks so different. Yes. I did not realize that, no. Yeah. I just re recognized Tessa Thompson and Terry Crews. Oh, uh, I have a hot take on Terry Crews. Uh-oh. What? I love him to death, and I'm sure he's a terrific guy. He's not a good actor. Or I should take it back. He has only one, one note. Literally one note. And, like, you could see him trying to change that note a little bit in his, like, one scene here, and it still came out as I dis I disagree Detective with you, Terry. just, like, just on the grounds that he's a, like, lovely person. So I, I don't want to hear any critique of him because he is constantly challenging. I just thought it was so like, cute in the movie when I was like, oh, he's trying to do a different character. He's so cute. <laughs> but he's constantly challenging toxic masculinity and talks about how he carries a purse and about I love how it. he was sexually I love assaulted. It. I feel and... guilty about the hot take, but it's okay. there. Okay. I'm going to pretend you didn't say it. Um, so, so the, yeah. the main, like, uh, I don't want to say plot, but the main themes are like capitalism is bad. And it's pretty like are good. in your face that like capitalism is bad and that capitalism exploits people of color and exploits lower class people and ex exploits... Leads to slavery property. is one of its theories. Yes. Mm. Um, that capitalism, that one of the dangers of capitalism is that it can, it leads to taking a lot of shortcuts and yeah. trying to do whatever is going to be cheaper even at the expense of the people in the society or the people 
in the jobs. Um, and often those people are marginalized communities that are vulnerable and need money and need places to live and whatever, and they can kind of get duped or taken advantage of. Um, and that is what happens with Army Hammer's corporation. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a character that, that Boots Riley had him play. I read one review. I only found like one negative one, and it was like, I forget how the reviewer wrote it, but something along the lines of like, Boots Riley, you know, thought the Army Hammer scenes were like better than they were because he those scenes go on forever. With like the solo Army Hammer scenes, yeah. Okay, because I was gonna say I thought that some of the party Army Hammer scene arm, <laughs> Army Hammer. <laughs> I can't say it. Just call him MC Hammer. Um, Army Hammer. I thought some of the party scenes of him were like really maybe a little bit too beating over the head with racism, but, like, white people who don't think they're racist and they are. Well, right. Like, There's a couple of really amazing moments in this movie, I will freely admit. One is at the party when Cash Cash's character is told to go up and rap. Yes. Yeah, that moment will stick with you for sure. Um, There's another moment that I can't remember now that I was trying to I'm think talking about the similar. end of the party scene, which leads into the the shark jump. That scene just goes on forever, and I'm like, is this still the movie? What is happening? When they're in the office? And yes. Like, yeah, that does yeah. go on forever. Like that, like a good 20 minutes. Sit down and watch this short film. Like no, they can't come back. Of, no, we're still trying to watch this a movie. A sixth of the movie yeah. was. It seemed like, like, as someone who has tried to write things, it seemed like the writer of the movie wanted this little six-minute clip to be in it, yeah. but kept the, the plot get, kept getting away from him and getting distracted, but he kept being like, no, we need to watch this movie, and yeah. like coming back to it. It's like, just let that bit go. Yeah, You should have just gone with the other idea that you had. Mm. So yeah, that's where it jumps the shark, and I don't want to ruin it for you, because I do think it's a really interesting movie to see, but there is a point that involves, I will say, like genetic manipulation, and it really jumps the shark, and like the last half an hour of the movie, you're kind of just like... You can't see my face, but sitting there looking very skeptically at the movie, being like, are they really, really doing this? And, like, the plot then moves very quickly. A lot of jumps happen. Yeah. And a lot of things hinge on this this plot twist. Yeah. And it um, gets very... It doesn't quite do it for me. And the very, very end, like, the very last oh, yeah. two seconds. Yeah. Like, I guess I was waiting for that to happen, but... Apparently, Forrest Whitaker is one of the voices at the end. I did see that. Um, this movie is, like, montage-heavy, but mm. not like traditional movies. Like, in a traditional movie, you have a scene, it leads into a montage, and during the montage, you know what the outcome is. And like, the montage is for a purpose. It's to move the plot along, move it, like, to jump timelines. But or no, to... I say almost different. It's not, yeah, it's meant to move time, but it's not meant to shift the plot. Like, how the montage starts, you know where it's going when it begins. Like, it's there just to kind of I'm thinking, like, show the passage of time. Yeah. Lion King, like, he's like, he grows up. Right. But there's not going to be any surprises during the montage or immediately after. Like, it's pretty safe entry and safe exit. Yeah. This movie, there was a ton of montages, and you had no fucking idea when you were coming out of the wormhole where you were going to be. I kind of liked that. It's unsettling. I liked it. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. And you know, that is uh, something that irks me with a lot of movies, is I'm like, obviously this is going to happen. You love it guessing It was not formulaic. Yeah. That's to say the least, yeah. <laughs> I did not know what was going to happen. Sometimes that was 
bad because at the end I was like, this, this kid, he's having like an acid trip, right? This isn't real. Right. And then it is real. And then you're like, that's real. Is it? Uh, so some of my other favorite moments, there's like, I didn't love all the worry, like the, the talk about the worry-free company. I felt like that was... I did. Like vaguely evil, which was confusing to me. Vaguely evil. Like they were just—they this... don't get paid. All they do is they—they they have a lifetime contract. They can never leave the company, right? And they get this tiny like bunk that they have to live in, and get, get given like rations rations of food. Yeah, and that's that's it. Right, but they were that company was only presented through like television ads and stuff. You, they never actually dove into that's the, the company. Point. Yes disagree with you there what disagree okay uh but one of the great points i thought is when cash's character thinks that he has you know publicized the conspiracy and fixed everything <laughs> yes it does the exact opposite the and one of the jumps. characters eloquently explains i'll won't do it justice but about how there's a couple of lines. One about how when people don't know how to handle or fight against something, they just let it go. That was so true of what's happening, I feel like, in our country lately. I was like, right. damn, that is so true. Like, people are like, that's awful. And they move on with their lives because it's, yeah. like, too much for them to handle, literally. Yeah. So, yeah. I certainly enjoyed parts of the movie. Um, I think I would need to see it again. But do you want to see it again? I mean, it's going to become, like, a cult classic. To me, it's like... It's like, um, hmm. What's the movie you're trying to think of? Uh, Pulp Fiction is what I'm trying to never think of. Never saw that one. I've never made it through. I've fallen asleep <laughs> the three times that I've tried to watch it on plane rides, where it is sort of scattershot and all over the place, and you're trying to piece it together. Like, this movie felt almost a little Tarantino-esque, maybe? Without the... Without the gruesome violence. But there was a lot of violence in this. They had the reality game show... Where people got beat up for kicks. Oh, yeah. There oh, were a lot of disturbing parts of this movie, and you were cool with all of it. I was going to say, the other scene that I thought was really funny from a societal point of view, but also from like a casually racist point of view, was the, um, the, the Halloween costume based on him getting hit in the head at the protest. Yeah, I thought all that, that stuff was dumb. Like, was it just, was it trying to comment on how dumb memes are and how they... Yes. Okay. It was commenting on how dumb people are that everyone thinks that, like, that's just, like, that they're so cool. That's the new hip Halloween costume or right. whatever. But also the fact that all these little kids had, like, it's, like, basically the next step from blackface is, like, black hair. Yeah. And, like, all the little kids in ballerina costumes having, like, the the hair with the... Anyways. Yeah, I don't I don't refute that it's a brilliant movie with brilliant moments or that the director isn't brilliant, but if you are trying to give this a wide release and get mass appeal, you have to find a way to channel your brilliance into something for the general audience, and I didn't think it achieved that. I disagree. I I do very much agree that when it jumped the shark with its crazy plot twist, I was just like what? Like, I wish that they had found a slightly subtler way to do that. Um, it didn't. Right. That's the weird thing about the movie is that it's so subtle in some ways and then so not in many other ways. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's the writing or the directing or what, but it did not. It didn't always find a very good balance. You're right of like what is subtle, like what things to be subtle about and what things that just throw in your face. But like, it did remind me of Get Out because with that 
jumping the shark of Get Out as well. Yeah, like, but this movie made me like Get Out even more. Like, you know the sunken place scenes of Get Out? Yeah. Like, like Sorry to Bother You is like a two-hour sunken place scene. Mm, that's a good way to put it. In terms of the visual, in terms of the, the dialogue, in terms of the setting, in terms of everything, I think. So, I don't, it's definitely not, like, my favorite movie ever. It's not something that I want to watch all the time for fun. And it, it did ruin it for a, for me a little bit with the big plot twist. But, like, it worked for me. And that's the difference between you and I. And, like, what I was saying about how I felt about I, Tanya, that's how you feel about this one. Where mm -hmm. it's almost, like, how I feel about some art or, like, about the symphony. Whereas, like, I can appreciate it as, like, a piece of art. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't, like, impact me. It doesn't really work for me yeah. always. And... This, but this movie worked for me. I okay. like. I know that you don't believe me at all, but I'm coming around. I just, I really liked it. I liked the visuals. I liked that it was different. I liked the two-hour music video feel. My problem, my other problem with movies lately is that I been, I get bored halfway through. Hmm. Like I feel like I have such like a millennial short attention span. Someone at work the other day was trying to get me to watch a half an hour video on how to do a Minnesotan accent, and I was like, a half an hour <laughs> of a YouTube video? Are you kidding me? If it's like three minutes long and I'm not interested, I don't watch it. So that was my problem with some other recent movies we've watched, like Eighth Grade. Was bored halfway through it. Yeah. And this movie, I was not bored. It kept my attention the whole Fair time. Enough. It kept me guessing at what was going to happen. The visuals were interesting like I hadn't seen. The characters were interesting. And, like, you, I really felt for, like, the moral dilemma of it. I thought it was well presented and, like, mm -hmm. didn't... There wasn't a clear black and white answer to it. The girlfriend was really cool with her art and, like, the contrast between... The two of them and how they were dealing with their realities was different, and um, the the supporting characters were decent. Okay, I think you've done a good job of selling both of our both of our topics today. So I would be interested in rewatching this. These like, people should hire you for PR. I think this would be a good one to rewatch, like at home, when you can kind of relax and like enjoy it mm -hmm. a little bit and just like absorb it okay. and not be sitting in a theater i don't know i enjoyed it okay and i came out of the movie going wow that was great like so weird but like i really enjoyed it that really worked for me like what a great movie and you were just like just what like, are you talking so about weird. you were like you mad that at me that i liked it and you didn't okay let's wrap up lightning round as always okay um so i have two that's it okay. so there is going to be a Hey There Delilah Oh my TV god, that's show. my first one, honey. Okay. Take it Best away. Best news ever, right? Take it no. away, babe. Oh, I have no comment other than that that's really sad that we've gotten so past, so far past peak TV that we're now taking a decades-old one-hit wonder. Also, they just must be desperate for PR, because even if that's true, I'm not saying you don't get inspiration from weird sources, but you don't admit that shit. Appar no, apparently one of the band members is involved in it. One of the co-creators. What? Like, this is a fully, fully on-board production. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the other my one, God. The other one I have is um, not necessarily an upcoming. I think it's out, like, literally today. But um, there's a young adult book that's, like, always seemed a little bit too young adulty for me at this stage of my life that I've, like, so many times I've, like, picked up at the library to bring home and I'm, like, not. Nah, like, I have the whole stack and, like, like, knocked that one off yeah um called to all the boys i've loved before uh -huh. by jenny Han, and it is now a netflix movie 
Okay. And Bookstagram is like losing its mind about it. A lot of people, my people on Twitter, young adult authors that I follow on Twitter are losing their minds about it because like it's a big deal. Like it's kind of a only moderately popular young adult book that got a Netflix adaptation that looks actually really good and it has an Asian lead protagonist. Okay. Um, so people are excited about it, but I just don't really know how to feel about it. Like, I don't know if I should read the book first or if I should just watch the movie and see if it is worth my time to read the book, but like mm-hmm. I could probably read the book in two hours and the movie's like two hours, so maybe sure. I should just read the book. So I'm a little bit conflicted about it. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I'm just... I think I have to be in a real YA mood for that, and I haven't necessarily been lately, so... Okay. Thanks for that lightning round discussion. <laughs> Go ahead. Finish up. Um, Nick Offerman's going to be in a new show. Okay, it's not about on making FX. things. Are we going to watch Making It? Elizabeth said we need to. Meh. From the, the uh, director of Ex Machina and Annihilation. Hmm, Okay. A series one of which where I liked and one of which I didn't. So. Nick, I don't think you liked Annihilation. I did not like that one. Oh, you did not like Ex Machina either. That's the one with John Gleason. Yeah, we didn't like that. We didn't? No. I liked it more than I liked Annihilation. Okay. So Nick Offerman's going to be the evil CEO in this one. I can see that. My last one. Mm-hmm. Quiz question for you. Who would be your ideal... Voice for Sonic the Hedgehog. New movie coming out. Um, can you can narrow down a teeny bit for me? A Parks and Rec character. Is it Tom Haverford? No. Good guess. Is it John Ralphio? Yes. <laughs> you did so well. Thanks, babe. He gave you a good clue. Um, so yeah, apparently he is the new voice. That makes sense, because Sonic is a little bitch. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Okay. Is that all you had? Yep. All right. Well, this was unexpectedly long. If you listened all the way through, thank you. God bless. Probably you're the only one, but thanks for still listening. We believe in you and we love you. And follow us. Summer is over. Not yet. We still got the state fair. It's over. It's over. Kids are back to school. It's terrible. Um, Tune in next week. Where we'll figure out something else to talk about. Can't and wait. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. bye. We gotta get down when they get down. Well now, get down, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down. Get down.